0: adventure so we found out on Friday morning that we were a church without a home and so we in uh, 48 hours here we are so thank you for being here appreciate it glad you found your way so the community as you well know experienced a devastating fire. 94 homes were burned to the ground two people who Texas this church and lost their homes and so we as a church want to respond to that and uh, the community really you think about the community as a defining moment for the community it's not only a defining moment for the community, it's a defining moment for the church, because really, when there's strategy in the community, it's a time for the church to be who the church says that it is. So it's a, it's a, it's a time for us to uh, be who we say that we are. And so the church that's in the community to bless the community. And so when the fire hit Thursday night, we're not gonna wait till Sunday to do something or talk about it. On Thursday night, we were there at the, at the shelter in Kalmesa. And about 60 beds, and so we brought 60 sleeping bags the very night of the fire there. And then on Friday, we're uh, one of the designated churches in the area to receive donations, so we've been there from uh, on yesterday also, on Saturday, receiving donations, we had a community prayer gathering last night, it was awesome. And so we just wanna be in the community, blessed community in times of tragedy. And so uh, but part of the fallout of that is that the school there was shut down and we found out on Friday morning that we needed to find a new location. So what's really cool is that this building has been a church for the last 20 years. The last week, first half of 20 years, they hadn't met here because they moved. The second week, here we are. We have to be here. So now this would not have been available. Isn't that cool how that worked out? So anyway, well, we, want to, we want to bless the community. We want to be the church that is in the community for the community to bless the community. We also want to be the church that never waits to be asked. We don't want to sit on our hands and wait to be asked. We want to respond. and So we respond but we pray. And we give and we go. And we never wait to be to be asked to help. There. And so uh, we're going to continue to help. Uh, and so we want to do everything we can. We're doing something for the two uh, people in this church that lost their homes. So you can all be a part of that. But let's pray for the community. If you bow your heads with me, we just want to. From them, so Father, we want to lift up our community to you, and Father, we well, want thank you for the first responders for the protection over them. Uh, Lord, we want to lift up the hundred or so families that lost their homes. We pray that you would not only be their governor, but you would cover them with your grace and your mercy, surround them with your peace. Father, we pray that uh, our, our community would find you against the tragedy, this strategy, and that your hope will become real to them. So we thank you that your power of love will never fail. And uh, this morning, Lord, as we turn to your word, pray it would be more than just uh, words on a page and, and, uh, and words in our ears. It is Bible talk. You would transform us by the power of your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So you have message notes there. If you want to have some credit this morning, you can out your, your notes there. We will have all the notes uh, right behind me. So we're going to talk about Jonah the reluctant prophet here, the rebel that God used. So we're going to roll up our sleeves and go through Jonah verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We're new to Sanctuary, we put a Bible teaching church. So we read the Bible, we explain the Bible, and then we apply the Bible. as we do that again. So we know we can hear God's voice through God's word. So that's what we want to do. So I want to begin this morning this way. Football fans in the house, come on, get them up a Football fan, get them up. I'm not feeling any energy in the room. Are you a football fan or not? That was borderline pathetic. Whether you're a football fans in the house, And so
1: I'm a football
0: fan too, and I love to watch football. A lot of, now one of the things that you may not know about, especially if you're not a fan, is this: is if the head coach can call an interruption or what's called a challenge by throwing a red flag. So the red flag actually looks something like this. So say a play is made, should have been a touchdown, and they call a fumble. This is what they'll do. The coach will go like this, and he'll throw the flag like that, meaning stop the game by interrupting the game, timeout, somebody messed up in white striped jerseys, those zebra striped jerseys, they messed up, and I want to talk about what happened there. And so this is done throughout the football experience there in most games. You'll see that. What we're gonna talk about this morning is this. Is that God also is a God that throws a challenge flag or uh, this one is falling apart, that like that. <laughs> and so God will do that and He does it in every Christ follower's life. Does it throughout the Bible. Did it in Acts chapter nine. There's Paul on the Damascus road and then the persecutor is being called to be a preacher. And so there he is on the Damascus road. If God interrupts his life, God throws the metal flag there. God speaks to him and says, Paul, you know, what are you doing? Why are you persecuting me? And, set, and redirects him. Okay, reroutes his life. And so when we're looking at Jonah here this morning, we're going to see that God is a God of interruptions here, we're going to unpack that this morning. So Jonah, Jonah chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, says this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amitai. And so This could have been a text message to someone today getting the word of the Lord or the message then of the Lord. And so the word of the Lord came In other words. It's a word from God. This is God speaking. He's hearing God's voice here about the direction of his life. God wants to redirect his life. It continues and says in verse two, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. So there's Jonah just minding his own business. And God, out of nowhere, interrupts him. You know, it's not like he looked on his eye calendar app, and there it was there, and said, hey, this is what I want you to do. He had no idea that this was coming. God says to him, I want you to go to Nineveh, because I've seen their wickedness, and it's risen up against me. He says, Jonah, I have a new assignment for you. I want you to get up, and I want you to go to those nasty Back to the bone Ninevites, and I want you to speak the message that I'm going to give you. And so God essentially taps Jonah on the shoulder and says, Jonah, I have a mission for your life. I have a calling for your life. I have an assignment for your life. I want to redirect your life here. And let me just say this every every person that God ever uses in the Bible, and every Christ follower that God ever uses, He will redirect your life. He'll do this very same thing. So when we're looking at Jonah, you're really looking at your own life here. So God interrupts him, not to annoy him, not to inconvenience him, but to let him know that he wanted to redirect him. So in your notes it says there, because God loves you, he's going to interrupt your story. And Why does he do that? Because God wants to rewrite your story. God wants to write a better story. And every time God interrupts you, there is a better story on the horizon that he wants to lead you to. And so verse three says this, look at Jonah's reaction. Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord and he went down to the port of Joppa, went down the ship leaving for Tarshish, paid the fare, went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. So when God said, get up and go, Jonah was like, absolutely no, I'm gonna go in the opposite direction. And so Tarshish then is 500 miles to the east. And uh, uh, and Tarshish actually is 2,500 miles to the west. So rather than be in the will of God for 500 miles, he's outside God's will for his life for 2,500 miles. And so he goes in the opposite direction. So he was like, God, I'm gonna hit the eject but I don't think I wanna go to dinner. I'm out of here. I'm done with it. I'm a former prophet who used to work for you, but I don't wanna be a prophet anymore. Like, I wanna go into retirement, like, game over God. And so he wanted to avoid, absolutely avoid the assignment that God was giving him. And so, God then he says, he says that he's gonna flee, some of your translations, he's gonna flee from the presence of the Lord. So John is a prophet and he knows a lot of stuff about God. I think this, a prophet is trying to flee the presence of an all present God. Trying to flee the presence of an all present God. How crazy is that? David said in Psalm 139, David said that if I flee into the heavens you're there, if I flee into the, the to shield, to hell, you are there. He said you are always there. You're an all present God there. And so you are everywhere. So. Here, Jonah is like crazy, thinking he can flee from the presence of the Lord. And so what Jonah does then is he jumps on a boat. Jumps on a boat, thinking that he can flee from God. So I want to to press on this point a little bit, because I think this is personal for some of us. Because watch this. Jonah was saying this to God. The prophet would do all this stuff about God. This is what, what he was saying. He says, God, there are parts of my life that you can speak to me. There are parts of my life that you can have your way. But there are other parts, God, I don't want you to speak to me. There are other parts you don't get to have your way. I don't want to hear that, God. And so you say, there are parts of my life you can change, and other parts of my life, God, I don't want to have change. And we can be like that. We can say, God, there are parts of my life, Oh, you're more than welcome into this part of my life. You're more than welcome into my financial life, God, to bless my life. You're God of blessing. But the relationship i am going here, don't don't talk to me about my girlfriend. Don't talk to me about my boyfriend. Don't talk to me about the things that you you want to change in my life or the choices that I've made. <laughs> so we can be just like Jonah here. Now notice this it says in verse 3 that he went downward, he went downward to Job. He went downward to Job. He didn't go, he didn't go upward to Job, but he went down. And this is a picture of what happens when you run from God. You are setting your path on a downward trajectory. See, he just didn't go down to Joppa. He went down into the boat. And then he didn't just go down into the boat, he got thrown overseas, he went down into the the sea. And then he just didn't stop there. But then the whale swallowed, and he goes, whatever it was, and then he goes deeper into the water. He goes deep into the belly of the whale, and then deeper still he goes down, down again, To the depths of the sea. You see there, when you run from God, you are setting your feet on a trajectory that is downward. It is a downer, a downward path. You may reflect on your own life or reflect on someone else's life that's in your relational circle. You've seen that they have done the same thing. So Jonah now is in a downward spiral for his life. He's going to continue this spiral here. He's headed downward. He goes down to Jonah, down to the ship, down to the sea, down to the... This is but what a downer here. And notice what it says here. It says that Jonah then found a ship. Jonah found a ship. I think there's a little message for us there. Because you can always find a ship going in the opposite direction of God's will for your life. It's always open out there. You can find, you can find a ship. By the way, uh, it was not the Lord's ship. It was, was going to be a shipwreck that uh, don't want to follow God's way God's uh, will for their life. You can always find a ship going in the direction that you want to go. That's what Jonah did here. And so he, he chooses to take a ship to Tarshish. God clearly said, your future is now. So in your notes there, the door is always open to go in the opposite direction of God's will. It's always open. Be a relational door, moral door, it could be a career door, it could be a, um, uh, any kind of door that is open to you there. But you always have the opportunity, a financial door, you always have the opportunity to go in the opposite direction. He found the ship. So do you think he was looking for a ship since he found the ship? Yeah, he found he what he was looking for. That's how it is when you're out of God's will. You will find what you're looking for. There's no blessing of God over that. So what I want us to see next is this. Is that God is going to call Jonah to a very hard place. Part of God's will is when he called him to Nineveh. It was hard. It was very hard. It was brutal. It was that difficult. And so he calls him to a bad place. How many people here this morning, and it's easy to be, you know, sipping our lattes or decaf or water and look at Jonah and go, what an idiot that happened. Why didn't he do what God told him to do? I to unpack this a little bit, so you can see that it really wasn't that easy. Because he's called to a, a hard place, a bad place. How I many people, you don't even want to go to a bad place in your city? By the way, this is Iraq. This is Iraq right here. Nineveh is Iraq. So uh, he's called to the worst part of Iraq. And so he's called essentially to go and talk to ISIS, or talk to the Taliban, and tell them about God. Tell them that is not happy with them. So he's like, hey, you know, this doesn't make sense. It's not very practical for me. Uh, they torture people there in Nineveh. They cut their, their hands up their limbs up and their feet up and their noses up and their ears up. I don't think I want to go there. And they skin people alive there. And then they take the skins and they put them on the walls of Nineveh. And it's not very user friendly for, for prophets like me here. And so I think perhaps, I think perhaps that this place is legendary its cruelty savagery of their war crimes documented historically and so no no Jew would ever want to go to Israel, would ever want to go to Iraq and talk to those people so before we jump on Jonah we need to realize that these are people that would crush you, and they would enslave you and they would impoverish you and they would kill you and then they would display the skin of their tortured enemies everywhere and so it's been practical So in your notes there, it says, sometimes God will ask us to do hard things. God will ask you to do hard things. And so how are you gonna respond to them? And so Jonah was like this, God, I don't do Nineveh. And you know they're a wicked city. You just told me so. Why don't you just judge them, God? Why don't you judge them and save me the effort? And so Jonah really wanted them eliminated. He wanted them wiped out. He wanted them destroyed. He didn't want to talk to them. And so I know there's people in this room. In your lifetime, you're going to feel some kind of nudge, some kind of prompting, some kind of uh, um, initiation that you need to do something in a Godward direction, but you're not going to want to do it because it's hard. And so you need to be asking yourself, well, is God throwing, is God interrupting me for his will here? And so. I'm not going the opposite direction here. So he says here, he says here, he's going to go to Tarshish. And I really believe that life comes down to this. If you're a Christ follower, life comes down to this. There are those choices in your life where it'll seem like God is saying, go do something you don't want to do, go to Nineveh. And you will just say, but Tarshish is so much more attractive to me. And so there's two roads in life. One road leads to Nineveh, and one road leads to Tarshish here. One road leads to the will of God, and one road leads outside the will of God. One road leads to obedience. One road leads to disobedience. The Two options that Jonah faced are also the same two options that we face. And so I would ask you this this morning. Which road are you on? So the road of, of obedience, the, the road of disobedience is there before us. And so in your notes, a life of running from God is running from God's expectation. God expected Jonah to go to Nineveh. He ran from the expectation. So let's look also at verse 3 that says this. Notice it says, he paid the fare. Some translations he bought the ticket. It means the original translation, the Hebrew, it means he covered the whole ship. Like, he bought the whole thing, like all the seats on the whole ship Jonah bought, is what what this literally means here. And so he pays this incredible, hefty sum to be able to get on the ship uh, with all the sailors. In other words, it cost him so dearly. It was an incredible cost that Jonah had to pay to jump on the boat, going in the opposite direction of God's will. And I think there's a message for us That money from God, very simply, is going to cost you. It's going to cost you in your relationships. It may cost you in your peace of mind It may cost you just wasting your life, wasting seasons of your life. It may cost you money. It may cost you sleep. It may cost you your marriage. I've seen someone else that you know, I've seen this story happen a number of times where I thought, gosh, you are not going to the Lord's. A direction for your life, and you continue that direction, it's gonna cost you your marriage and the did time and time again. Then. So there's an incredible cost there to go opposite the direction God has for your life. He paid the fare, the full fare So money from God costs you a fare. Costs you that you yourself must pay. So, verse 4. But the Lord, I love this because see, God had a reaction to John. God wasn't some passive deity in the sky that's, oh, I guess he doesn't want to do my will. Oh, no. God God is a God who reacts there, reacted to his choice. Watch. But the Lord, what did he do? He hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break up the ship. And so. This is the great theme of the Bible right here. This is the great theme of the Bible. That we run, man runs, and God pursues. That is the theme of the Bible right there. God pursues everyone then that runs, including a reluctant, hard headed, stubborn, obstinate prophet like Jonah. See, what we see here is there's God's grace, and He's intercepting Jonah. And He's intercepting Jonah's story in his direction because he wants to help him write a better story and help him so he doesn't pursue his self-destructive behavior so so jonah made this decision and then god made his jonah made his decision that god made his and so jonah says god i'm going to run god says okay jonah then i'm coming after you i'm coming after you and so you can run from god but know that God loves you, God will run after you. So perhaps some of us today, even subtly, we can run from God in areas of our lives. So God is committed, we see here the text tells us, God is committed to tracking you down. God is a God that will come after you, that will find you, that will love you, that will seek you, and then seek to save you. And so we can run from God in our notes, but God will pursue us. See, God, will God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. What did he do? He left his, left his planet, left his heaven to come to our planet to pursue us. And so our text tells us that there are times, I'm not saying every storm is a God-originated storm, but I am saying this. There are times where the text is telling us that God may send a storm. He says, for the Lord sent this storm. Again, not every storm, but this is a storm, really, It had Jonah's name on it. This is a storm of grace. This is a storm here that God is going after, chasing down Jonah. So, I really believe this is a a storm of of the the love of God, of the the dogged love of God, of the determined (laughs) love of God, of the crazy love of God, of the scandalous love of God. I mean, this is just screaming that that God loved Jonah, he's not going to let it go. And so, uh, Hebrew says this in Hebrews chapter twelve. It says verse seven. It says, "Whom the Lord loves, He skins alone." Doesn't say that. I was just asking you. Come on. Please. I just wanted to say that again. So, whom the Lord, whom the Lord loves, watch. He corrects. He disciplines. Whom the Lord loves, Jonah, He's correcting and disciplining here. The concern we should have is that there's no discipline coming in our life when we're, we're going in the opposite direction. Then you want to wonder who do you belong to there? And so this crazy, fierce, dogged, determined, scandalous love of God is coming to full, full expression as Jonah tries to go in the opposite direction. So in you notes there, the storm is it's a scandalous love of the Heavenly Father. That's good. Cool. So verse 5. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors—these are pros—shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep and got him down in the base of the ship. It says, cold So here's the professionals, and they're like freaked out. They're like out of their minds, freaking out here. They're panicking. They're screaming to their gods. And so, and what they were doing was something that maritime uh, employees would do, and that is, that they especially, they would throw the cargo overboard. So, that's what they're, this is how they're getting paid. So, this is like, we're not going to be able to feed our families, we're going to be able to take home income. They're throwing all the profit overboard. They're throwing all the good stuff overboard. They're just chucking everything overboard, to trying to save the ship. They're doing everything that they can there to save it. And, and what is Jonah doing? Anybody you know what Jonah was doing? What Jonah's doing? He's sleeping. If yeah, Jonah is, he's out. And so, but they're up above, there's all the sailors, they're like, God, if you will only, we do the same thing, you only save us, fill in the blank, but you will only do the blank Then God, I promise I will never blank again. when anybody, anybody been there? And so, so, there's Jonah and his life. I he to see the here. Is here. Well, Jonah's not an island to himself. Jonah's life is impacting everyone that's associated with Jonah. And we have this thing in our nation now: it's like, do your own thing, live your life, and you know, you're your own person and you're independent. But all of that, like you don't affect anyone else and nothing could be part of the truth that we're going to see in the text here there's Jonah and, and sometimes uh, the storm there the purpose of the storm is to wake people up to wake us up and that's what God was doing in Jonah's life But I want us to see this here Jonah he's so far out there he's so far out of the rule of God that the storm that was designed to wake him up the designed to discipline him, did nothing for him. And so he's so comfortable that he's just sleeping through it. So verse 6. So the captain went down after him. He says, How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up. I pray to your God. Like Jonah, don't you think you brought this mess upon us? Don't you think it would be good that you would pray to your God? Maybe he'll pay attention to us and spare our lives. So they wake the brother up, they wake the Joker up. And so, and the sleeping prophet there is the one who's calling all this mess. He's causing all this mess. Jonah was causing all the drama in their lives. You have people like that. They're causing all the drama in your life there. But Jonah didn't see it. And that's how it is with people who cause drama. They never see all the drama that they're causing in your life. So, that's what Jonah is doing here. Now, watch this. The pagan... Pagan, tell the prophet, hey, don't you think it would be a good idea to pray? I mean, you see, the pagan is the prophet, it might be a good idea if you pray. And so, all that to say this, though, is that people that don't know God, watch. People that don't know God, when they encounter people that do know God, want you to pray for them when there's a storm in their life. They want you to pray. People that don't know God, they'll look for people that do know God. When they encounter you, they, hey, we'd love for you to pray. So that's what was happening here. And so in your notes, when facing a storm, people who don't know God, want people who do know God, they want you to pray. I've never in my life encountered somebody, when they were facing a the storm, they didn't want to pray. They always do. So that's the dynamic. So they say, hey, hey, we're suffering because of you. So, like, why don't you just get up and, like, Pray to your God. And so the pagan tells the preacher to, to pray, verse 7. And then the crew cast lots. This is like an Old Testament cat of, uh, of dice, little rocks painted on one side. So the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. So on that day, they believed that the deities, uh, by casting lots, uh, the deities of the day would point to the guilty party. So it says when they did this, the lots identified Joseph, I'm sorry, Jonah, as the culprit there. And so <coughs> the sailors were smart enough to realize that hey, this this joker is causing all the drama in our lives. Let's let's cast some lots lock, here and see what happens. And so verse eight says this. They said, "Why is this awful storm?" They said, "Come down on us." And they demanded, and who are you? And where are you from? What's your line of work? What country are you from? What's your, your nationality? So they want to get some information about this person causing all the drama of his woe. And I want us to see something here, because what he says here, first thing he says is, well, I'm a Hebrew. Just reflexively, I'm a Hebrew. In other words, I follow God. I'm a God follower. I'm with God's people. I'm a Hebrew. I go to church. That's who I am. And then he says, uh, and they're thinking, like, we thought you were an idiot, well, not, not a Hebrew, but it says, and then I worship the Lord. Like, really, Jonah? Like, 3,000 miles in the opposite direction of what God called you to be in, and you worship the Lord? Maybe perhaps you should, should think about rewriting your resume there a little bit because you really are not living a life. And so is the only one that believed Jonah. You can say whatever you want Want to say that you're a Christ follower. You go to church. You're God person or church person, but all the people around you they can see whether you are, just like they can see with Jonah. Like, really, he grew up. Really, you're worshiping God, and so they know. So when you run from God, here's the point: you just lose all self awareness. You lose awareness, or you become kind of a little deluded and deceived about really who you are. I'm a Hebrew, and I worship God. Really, no. You lose those. Your notes. You lose all self-awareness. And so, lastly, in your notes, when you run from God, you just cannot run God's love for you. You cannot run the love of God. Verse ten. So the sailors were terrified when they heard this. For, uh, for he had already told them that he was running away from the Lord. He said, well, "Why did you do it?" They groaned. So of course they're freaked out. They're frightened here. And so he's created this storm. And I want, to, I, want to, I want to stand on this point here: is that he created a storm that not only affected himself but affected everyone, everyone in proximity to him. So think about that in your life. If you create a storm, you create drama. You're just you're being you're just being a Jonah. You're being a Joker there. And so, what you do in your life is going to impact everyone that's in your proximity. So I'm very mindful, mindful of this, that if I choose to go in the opposite direction God has for my life, you think that's going to affect my life? It's going to affect my life, isn't it? Think it's going to affect my kids? Yeah. you think that's going to affect my relational circle? Come on. It's going to affect everyone in proximity to you. It's going to affect you here. And so uh, we need not to believe the lie that shouted out out at us in our culture that, oh, it's just all about you. It's your life. Live how you want it. No, it's going to affect everyone like Jonah around him. So ultimately now they realize that he's the problem. So it says in verse 11, since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, like, what should we do for you to stop the storm? And then Jonah begins to, to wake up a little bit. Here, Jonah realizes that I'm the problem for the storm. I did. it. So verse, verse, 12. Just throw me into the sea, John said. And then become calling again. I mean, he's a problem. He's speaking the future. But I know that this terrible storm. It's all my fault. So this is the beginning, the turning point of his life. This is the turning point of your life. When you can say these words, it's all my fault. I'm responsible for the storm. I did it. He's not blaming anyone else. He's not blaming God. He's saying, like, "This is me. This is way you're going to turn your life around." So throw me into the sea. So Jonah is there is saying, "Hey, would you go ahead and execute my execution? Because going into the sea means he doesn't know God's got a way of fish. He just knows he's going into the drink. And it's cold for him. Isn't it interesting that he would rather go to drown and die than go to Nineveh?" He'd rather die than go to dinner. That's how obstinate the the, the prophet was. That's how hard-headed that he was like, okay, go ahead. I'd rather be thrown into the sea and die than go to dinner. And so he'd rather die than do God's will still at this point. So verse 13, instead, sailors rode even harder to get the ship to the land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them, they couldn't make it. They couldn't do anything about it. So ultimately, they're roaming against God. They're rowing against God's will here. And so it just gets stormier and stormier. And now the story changes for them. The story changes for them and watch this. They begin to surrender to God here. And so verse 14, Then they cried out to the Lord and God. No more their gods. Well they're like, okay, they're, they're together, they're like, okay, everybody, let's let's pray. The storm is really good. Like, okay, you, you call it to the uh, big guy in the sky, let's see, you uh, you call it to your Allah, you call it to your God, no, Now it's like, look, everything has changed here. They cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. And they they said, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin. So now we're going to Yahweh. And, and don't hold us responsible for this death. Oh Lord. Now they're surrendering their lives to Jonah's God. Oh Lord, you sent this storm. They see the hand of God behind it, uh, upon him, for your own reasons. So now the sailors are turning to God. And so they're praying to Jonah's God, the only true God being. they are crying out to him. Verse 15. The sailors picked up Jonah, threw him into the raging sea. The storm stopped at once. So. They threw, the, they threw the drama off the ship, and so there's a story there for us. Sometimes the drama needs to go off the ship. Maybe you are a part of the drama. So, but they picked him up, and so they had to get the guts to throw him over There's They're essentially this inverter to throw over him. And so. But they did that. They got the guts to do that. But what is in your life that's keeping you from doing what God wants you to do? Is it a
1: relationship?
0: Something you're involved in? Something you're you know, you hanging out or reading? I don't know. What is in your life that's causing you to undermine you from going in God's direction in your life? And so they had to get intentional about this and throw it overboard before peace came. Peace came and the problem left. Jonah left there, so, and so they had to get rid it. And so the turmoil ended when they dealt with Jonah. The turmoil may just end. Peace, uh, the oceans of your life may become calm there when you deal with the problem like Jonah did. And the storm stopped. This tells me something about God. God is a God there that, that he has the capacity to bring peace to our seas instantly. God can bring peace to your life. When when, remember, all of the sailors now are getting right with God. And they're calling him, they're calling out to him. And then the next thing that happened is peace there of the calm waters verse 16. The sailors were also by the Lord's great power. They, they offered a sacrifice. They vowed I love this. I love this. They vowed to serve him. Isn't that great? Right? They vowed that we're going to serve God. We're not going to serve our other masters anymore, and so he says, "God, we're not going to go against you. We're not going to go with you." And verse seventeen, he been waiting for. Him. Now, the Lord arranged a great fish, swallowed Jonah. Jonah was inside the fish for three days, and three nights. I want to point something out here. That said, "God wasn't caught by surprise there. He is all knowing." Bible says, "Our lives have been as a tale which has been told. The Lord had arranged a great fish, and so." While Jonah was doing his thing, he was rebelling against God, going in his own direction there. There is God, God's not caught by surprise by our lives there, by our life. So God is always a step ahead. God is always a step ahead of you. But there is God's prepared. the Lord is prepared arranged, or arranged for a great fish. So, and God also like spoke to the sea creature there and said, hey, when you see a splash, That's lunch. Don't forget that, boy. That's lunch there. So, chapter 2, verse 1, and we're going to close with this. After three days and three nights. Why three days and three nights? After three days and three nights, then John How often, how hard headed, how determined he was not to go to Nineveh. You see, he didn't pray when he went down to Joppa. He didn't pray when he went to the ship. How many people would have prayed? How many people would have prayed when the storm hit? Like, if he didn't want to do Nineveh, come on. I would, have, I would have been like, yeah, it's time to pray. Call a prayer meeting, and let's pray. The ship's going to go down. You would. You, most of you, I don't think you would have prayed that. Jonah doesn't pray. Jonah goes down and sleeps. And so how many people would have prayed, how many people would have prayed when the sailors were doing the, and the one. And the two, tell my anything he wants. Right? Don't throw me over. You didn't pray, right? And the three, how many would have prayed maybe, you hung in there and you hit the water. How many would have prayed when you saw this great sea creature coming? He looks hungry. He doesn't have any, any other options. How many would have prayed when you were going down? Where like, uh, you end up, imagine, and,
1: there's not time to talk about it.
0: But there's there's historical documentation of people being swallowed and, and surviving, coming out later. But the point is this: How do you were afraid when you were like in this uncomfortable environment? Well, how about day one, or hour one, or minute one? No prayer. And then and then he like he's just hunkering down there. And I'm not going to do Nineveh of day two. Finally, day three, and John prays. After three days and three nights, then he prays. At his lowest point. And why does God have to wait? Why do we have to wait to our lowest point? Before we pray, before we open our heart and look toward heaven and ask God. And so, here's God. He won't give up on Jonah. Pursuing and pursuing and pursuing and messing with him and pressing with him. Because he wants to get Jonah's attention there. What about you? Do you think that God would pursue you and mess with you, scandalous love, and press on you? Because he wants to get your attention. He wants you to say, hey, the direction ah, that's, not, that's not it. that's not what I have for you direction for your life, the, the road of blessings is over here. So God is dogged. God, God is a God who is determined. God is a God who is crazy and scandalous love, he keeps pursuing Jonah. The great theme of the Bible, we run, God pursues. We keep running and God keeps pursuing and pursuing and pursuing Beloved friends. This is who God is. This is who God is. So if you would bow your heads, I just want to pray over us and then we're gonna to stand to our feet and we're going to sing. So Father, thank you for your words here that you are a God who interrupts us, not to inconvenience us, not to irritate us. You're a God that wants to reroute us, redirect us because of your your great love and when we're lost at sea you're the God that, that pursues us and you keep pursuing us and we have no right to be pursued and we've done nothing to win your love or earn your love and you just pursue us and that's who you are Father I pray this morning that the The reality of who you are. Just break over us, break over our hearts. God of scandalous love. God of determined and dogged love that never gives up. In Jesus' name.